Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So the last time I was here, we talked about metta, loving kindness practice. Anybody here for that? A couple of you were. And it really felt to me like the talk kind of, it didn't resonate. It just didn't go where I thought it would. Uh, and sometimes things happen like that. Um, it's not really for me known whether that's my own <coughs> felt sense or the felt sense of the room. And uh, it's okay not to even know that. This is how our lives are filled with perception, projection, <laughs> right? What we think is happening, we don't really know if it's really happening, and that's um, the nature of the mind, and um, the difficulty we're all in at times is, is how much are we projecting, and how much are we knowing, right? So coming back, I, I thought I would um, take another stab at this topic again. Mm -hmm. You guys are laughing. Okay, good. I'm glad so. I'm not alone. <laughs> right, right. A lot of the Buddhist teachings were just the structure of this brain and how it's designed to take our perceptions from the past and our history from the past and color what we're seeing and thinking. And that it happens so quickly that we don't know what's happening. Uh, and it's just brilliant. And, it, it, and his teachings hold up today with neuroscience and cognitive therapy. Like they, they really connect even more today. So yes, this is our dilemma. Um, we all have this filter of uh, what we know from the past. We're naming things and... Um, labeling constantly even and we don't know it but I do going back like this topic of meta for holidays where we're much more rushed and pressured mm -hmm. in every way and there's expectation in holidays um, for holiday to connect not to connect uh, there's travel family all sorts of things going on. It's, it can be a frenetic time, and metta is a great practice for holiday time. So let's just say um, that you were invited to a big Friendsgiving. Anybody do a Friendsgiving this year? You had a couple of friends. They're fun, aren't they? And let's just say at this Friendsgiving, um, there are vegans and there are vegetarians and meat eaters and people who love all those orange vegetables, people who hate them, <laughs> healthy people, people who like the rich fried creamy stuff, people who are very uh, bare bones, holistic, and there's this beautiful array of food so that everyone, whether you are a vegan or a meat eater, you would find something to really enjoy in your Friendsgiving. I think sometimes Buddhism is just like an, a big table, a big banquet of delights. There's enough for everybody and different things in your practice to go around. For instance, some of us really get caught 
not even caught, what we'll pick up is um, the emphasis on concentration meditation. That will be our main piece of practice. We're studying the Satipatthana Sutta, and we're going with the breath, and building that concentration, getting a still mind. Others of us will uh, go to naming or labeling, and using a mindfulness that moves with awareness. Some of us are really drawn into the practice and the teaching of no self. Victor, um, one of our teachers here in Long Beach, Victor Bird, he loved the practice of no self. And almost all his talks, and some of you are there, he would wind up talking about our concept of who we think we are and the Buddhist concept of no self. Other people really study impermanence. Other people, impermanence. Other people look at greed and delusion and hunger. Some people really fall into the Four Noble Truths as a, as a primary core practice. Or sila, ethics, or the Eightfold Path, right speech, right action, right livelihood. Um, and then there's metta practices, the Brahma Viharas, loving kindness. So there's this array, there's this huge table of things to pick up and digest and enjoy and work with. And all of them are right. All of them are right. All of them are doorway. All of them are path. Every single one. And whichever one interests you, run with. Go. Take it. And metta, loving kindness, has been a practice uh, in, in my years of practice. They've been one of those delights, these beautiful delights to, to uncover and, um, and to be surprised mm -hmm. by this practice. When I first heard about <coughs> the practice of loving-kindness, of metta and the Brahma Viharas, my New York intellectual brainy mind was um, not too thrilled. It seemed <laughs> quite superficial. And um, at Long Beach Meditation, we would do a metta practice at the end of every sit, a little longer and more formal than what we do here. And I would kind of snooze or do my Trader Joe shopping list <laughs> while we were doing it. And people, other people would say, wow, that just felt so good. It landed in my heart or just that feeling in the room when we do this practice. And I would say, you know, almonds, French press coffee, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, go on on my list. It wasn't going to hit me. Not, that wasn't mine. I, I wanted something deeper than that. You know? um, so metta is um, the repetition. It's either a repetition of phrases, and traditionally they've been very simple, like may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be at ease. Simple, and, it's in, and there's a repetition. You say them over and over and over again. And the other is a practice of radiating an open heart and sending it out. It's a feeling and not words and doing that with intention. That's all that it is. And uh, people, many practitioners have gone on retreats and have done nothing but metta for a week, 10 days, a month, three months. Anybody go on a metta retreat in here? No? 
you have uh, Jane and I did, and you did Mark. So what was that like for you? Uh, it was uh, great. It was three days with Sylvia Borgini and Spirit Rock. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just for me uh, doing that to myself was hard for years, and it was only through that extended practice where it sort of shifted for me. I'm doing it for I don't know three days, eight mm -hmm. ten hours a day. But, you know, sort of in the midst of doing that intense practice, it sort of shifted. It sort of just opened up and felt very different. It was no longer, no longer selfish. But just that sort of self-care sort of is what enabled and empowered you to approach the world in a caring way. Mm -hmm. Because you couldn't, if you weren't, you know, if you could, you could you approach yourself with hostility, that's how you approach the world. And mm -hmm. So just shifting that was really profound. So he's referring to, um, Mark is referring to the fact mm -hmm. that we do metta to ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We do metta to ourselves. And how many of you have tried this practice where you're doing metta to yourself? Yeah. Is it easy or hard? It can, it can be hard. It can, right? It's that, that's an experience. And I think your comment at the end is well taken that if you're harsh to yourself, you can be you are harsh externally to the world. So it takes sometimes an extended practice to break through that habitual wall we build around our own heart. Um, so who else? You went on. How was that retreat that we did? We we did it in the wilderness, Jane and I. Um, we traveled forever <laughs> to the edge of New Mexico, and then we went to 11,000 feet, right? And we uh, did metta for 10 days mm -hmm. in the wilderness. Yeah, it was my second retreat, and it was really interesting because I wasn't all that familiar. And it was a really profound experience. It, you know, it was very early on, and I wasn't all that sure what much of anything was about. Um, you know, and now I see it as almost a precondition for practice. I mean, mm -hmm. it, you really can't get much further if you can't get into that space. Mm -hmm. And yet it's the consequence, too, because I think that as you get still, then it comes with it. So which comes first, the chicken or the egg, is very difficult. Mm -hmm. But... And, and how you do it, because like you, I felt going through the little sayings was pretty worthless to me. Uh, and I think the hardest thing is, is feeling metta for myself. That took maybe years. Maybe years. Yeah. One of the interesting things um, that uh, Elsie, who is practicing with us for uh, the last year or two, we used to have this conversation about metta to self. And um, she, she said that she really had difficulty with the phrase, may I be happy, may I be at peace, because we also teach no self. And we're also teaching who do we think, who do we take ourselves to be. A lot of our thoughts that are constructed about ourself is not ourself. Who you're thinking about, your self-reflection of you, is not you. But we get caught there, and we get caught in who we think we are. And very often, we think very painful things about ourselves in our culture, right? So she had a lot of difficulty with that practice to self. 
and um, we talked about it a lot. And what I don't, I think I came up with, or she came up with, and I can't remember who, was to just do metta to the body and the mind. You know, it's this body, this mind. Mm -hmm. um, when you can't, when that I is um, becoming too agitating. Um, because all we are a body and mind among many body and minds, and we need care and love, mm -hmm. like all other bodies and minds. You know, so that was um, one thing to do. So um, you said something else there, Jane, about now you see that it's an integral part of your practice, that you can't practice mindfulness without metta. Anybody mm -hmm. else feel that way? Mm -hmm. yeah. Does, do you want to say why? I guess, I don't know if I've thought about why, but I guess for me, it's just kind of the core of it all. And the core of everything else that you mentioned kind of starts there and how that goes out to everyone and all beings. And it's kind of a core part of my belief for all of this. Or, yeah. 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 So, sati, what does sati mean? Sati mindfulness one of the definitions is to remember. And it's my favorite one. The hardest part about mindfulness is to remember to be mindful. Or if you're, you're, you're focusing on the breath in your meditation and your mind goes off traveling, sometimes it's hard to remember and bring it back, uh, right? All the time. So it's to remember. So we're remembering over and over again to be present in the moment or to drop into the body if we're meditating um, and when we have busy lives, it's not so easy. But one of the, the quality of remembering is important. It's not just to remember, but it's the quality of how we're remembering. And that is we're bringing interest and energy. We're not just remembering to come back. We need to be interested in coming back. Like if your mind is wandering and it's going off to, let's say, 2020, and uh, the vacation you're going to take in New York, right? And if, if you're more interested in your vacation in New York and not in the mind that's thinking and planning and doing something and that left, you have to have some interest to come back. Oh, what's happening here now, right? Oh, the mind's wandering. It's going into the future. It's planning. It's creating images. It's pulling me out of here. You come back. So you have to be interest. But in order to have interest to what's here, we have to have loving kindness. Because sometimes what's here, eh, I'm bored, I'm sleepy, my stomach's bloated. <laughs> I don't want to do the next task. I just don't want to be in today. Uh, or I'm agitated, I'm anxious, I'm restless, and I don't like it, right? So metta is the vehicle with the interest that allows us to be present to what's present when it's not so good or when it's good. It's that warmth, the caring, the warmth. So if you're having a day that's hard, that's sad, that's agitating, or people are annoying you, um, you need not only to know with awareness, but you have to know with interest you have to know with interest, and you have to care about it. You have to care about the state and not reject. 
And I don't know about you, I've spent a lot of time rejecting my states of mind <laughs> to the point of not knowing I'm having them, which is really exciting. Okay. So we're cultivating um, a gentle awareness. It's a gentle, kind awareness. So with concentration, with awareness, you're bringing in a caring and kind quality, like a grandmother love to yourself, you know? You're cultivating that to know. And um, I'll read you some things from what the Buddha said. It, and, and they're kind of cute, kind of interesting. Okay, so this is called um, Pots of Food. And he says, monks or bhikkhus, if someone were to give a gift of 100 dishes of serving food in the morning, and 100 dishes of serving food in the midday, and then 100 dishes in the evening, and another person were to develop a mind of metta, even in the time it takes to pull on a cow's udder, in the morning, at midday, or in the evening. The second action would be more fruitful than the first. Thus, the famous word always thus, you should train yourselves uh, to develop and cultivate the liberation of mind by metta. Make it your own vehicle, basis, stabilize, exercise yourself in it, and fully perfect it. That's how you should train yourself. So anybody know how long it takes to pull on a cow's udder? <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's back then, right? <laughs> right. That's how quickly the mind could go needs to go to meta. And if you think about that analogy of, of course, I don't agree with the but if someone was starving, I would feed them first. But secondly, you know, if you think about families, in like a metaphor, you know, there are families where you receive tons of material things versus a family where you receive unconditional regard and love and interest. Mm -hmm. Which child is going to be healthier and thrive better? And that's what he's saying, or one of the things he's saying, that we cultivate this unconditional regard, this beautiful state of being, of mind, and that um, even more important than the craving of material things, right, is this cultivation of a beautiful heart. So uh, I'll, read, I'll read more later. Um, there was another quote from Ajahn Sumedho. Of course, I have to find it. Um, you know, he says, um, we can imagine more perfect conditions on how everyone should behave Right when we have a practice, some of us want better conditions on how everyone should behave. I do, really, <laughs> but that's not the case. Um, our task is um, not to create our perfect ideal. It's to see how it is and to learn from the world as it is. The awakening of the heart, conditions are always good enough. So um, it's kind of radical, right? And, and 
some some of the classic things that we say in all, um, and we repeat something like, um, "May I be safe and free from inner and outer harm." That's a classic one. Mm -hmm. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. Um, and you're repeating that over and over and over again. What we're saying in that one, when you think about it, it's not just a simple phrase. What we're saying is we cannot control what is happening on the outside. We can't control the conditions. They could be good, bad, ugly, fabulous, great, happy. Things could go our way and not our way. Tragedy happens. Um, surprises happen, people behave ways that we don't want them to, right? So it's a wish. We're opening up our heart. We're wishing safety. But what is that safety? It's the safety of resilience, of equanimity, of being even, of understanding that um, all things are impermanent and good and bad are happening and we're not taking it so personally. We're opening our heart instead of closing, withdrawing, and rejecting when outer harm comes, and it will. Yeah. When the thieves come to rob your house, or something like that. Yeah? Do they come? Mm -hmm. They do. One way or another, they come. Yeah? The good things come, and the bad things come. So your intent is opening your heart to wanting to be safe, free from the effects of, free from the effects of, may I be safe, right? But it's inner too. So, so many thoughts are like little demons in there, the inner critic, the rumination, the constant anxiety and worry, perpetuating negative thoughts. Um, Victor used to say to me all the time, and I think he's, he said it in, um, in talks, that in the morning he would wake up every Sunday morning, and I loved his talks. He gave really excellent talks, in my opinion. And he'd say, I'm, I just don't feel like going today. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to write a talk. I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I don't feel like it, you know? And sometimes we have to be safe from our inner thoughts. And then he'd get up, he'd dress, he'd go, he'd write a little talk, and we'd have a great sip every Sunday, you know? And it would feel really good. But you know how your mind tells you stuff, right? You can't always believe your mind. As we say, sometimes minds are places you shouldn't go in alone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so inner harm means I'm, I'm opening my heart to the inner landscape as well as the outer. Someone said to me this week, like, is it okay if I hate my uncle? Like, really asked, is it okay if I hate my uncle? And, you know, um, one of my answers to this person in particular just was, well, when that hatred becomes a black hole that you sit in and you put a rug and a couch and a lamp and you stay there, <laughs> then you answer that question, mm -hmm. right? So this is kind of what metta does, right? Another one that we say is, may I be happy? And a lot of people have said, oh, so you're wishing for happiness. Right? You're wishing for happiness. It sounds that way. You're walking around saying, may I be happy, may I be happy, may I be happy. What we're saying is, may I be happy even when the conditions do not support happiness. 
it's not like I'm going to be happy when I get reservations at that great restaurant and I could buy my new car in 2020 with leather seats and that just shade of blue, mm -hmm. right? Or I really get that raise or uh, so-and-so resigns and I won't have that irritable person to work with, right? Or the house finally gets remodeled, I can get that new whatever. Um, or the pain in my back ends. That's not the happy that we're talking about. We're talking about happiness that's free of conditions. Happiness that's free of conditions. That's joy and happiness. Anybody know anyone that you notice, that you know in your lives, that seem to be happy, free of conditions? Mm -hmm. Do you want to say a word or two? Um, no, I don't think I feel compelled to say Okay. Word, but, <laughs> but, yes, but thank you. Okay. Anybody else know anyone or yourself? Have you? Yes, yeah, Sue? Um, my cousin, she uh, experiences sadness. Uh-huh. But she literally like wakes up every morning grateful. Just, uh -huh. It's just who she is. She just wakes up and she's grateful and she loves people in her life and she's just one of these like seems to have joy. And she experiences sadness, like I said, but generally she's just yeah. grateful every day. Yeah. So, so what they're saying is in adversity, I don't cling or I don't reject. It's a hard one. I'm not clinging to something and I'm not rejecting it. This is why it's a powerful practice, right? It's got a lot of meat and potatoes, if you don't mind me saying, behind it, right? It's not just simple phrase. You know, in adversity, in happiness, when I cling, when I don't want it. The same thing with may I be peaceful, right? May I be peaceful. We're opening the heart and leaning in as protection against or to be with. So um, I'll say one thing about that, um, which is our, my grandfather um, had, they had so little, my grandparents really, they lived in an apartment above a storefront in Brooklyn, you know, and it was very sparse, small apartment, and they didn't have a lot. They were immigrants and factory workers and laborers and uh, simple lives, but my grandfather's quality of paying attention to walking to the bank, cooking a meal, reading the newspaper in, he used to read a newspaper in three languages, you know, uh, just washing the dishes and eating, you know, um, having a cup of tea with a cookie, you know, there was so much peace in his movement and beingness. There was appreciation and joy that radiated from him all the time, that beautiful light of being. And I remember once going with him uh, to, um, this, uh, to see a relative, uh, taking him and my grandmother, you know, um, and my grandmother barely spoke English, but I took them to see a relative in Manhattan to a busy, crowded, crazy office. Uh, I think it was like a commercial real estate office and people running, busy and dressed up and important and things are happening, transitions. And I remember they walked in and I watched the whole place just 
soften and rush to say hello. I've never seen anything like it. Because when people are walking with metta, with loving kindness, you feel it. You feel it. It's a quality. When they're really living that and walking that so beautifully. So, Sorry, this is meditation group? Yes, come yes. have a seat. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're doing is we're testing this 2,600-year-old tradition to see how it works for us, how we do it. And why we say it's a protection is not just saying those phrases in, as a way to hold the seat when through the changing conditions, right? The joys and the difficulties and the valleys, right? We're not just doing that. It turns the mind towards behavior, skillful behavior, skillful words, skillful behavior, non-harming, right? And um, not perpetuating suffering or damage or dysfunctional behavior. It turns the mind towards a skillful way of engaging with others and being in the world. So it truly is a protection. It's a protection against perpetuating uh, the negativity and the adversity. And uh, it's a way that we um, can see and experience the world differently, with patience, non-aversion, and acceptance of how things are. Um, and to, uh, it's one of the Brahma Maharas, we also use compassion, compassion practices, equanimity practice, and mudita, which is a um, joy for the happiness of others. You know, taking joy in others' joy which is a beautiful practice, really beautiful practice. So what we're going to do is we're going to do an exercise in this so you can get a taste and a flavor. And we're going to um, move into groups of four. Groups of four, okay? Um, wait, let me give you the full thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm so happy you're eager to practice metta. Um, and what I want you to do is take a couple of breaths quietly before you begin. Take a couple of breaths together in your circle. And then one person looks at the other person, like Angela would look at Don. And you pick a simple phrase. Whatever phrase comes to you, there's no wrong phrase. Okay? So it could be, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you have ease of mind, may you be healthy. Right, may you be free of suffering. You could say, may you have a peaceful day. Um, may you be free of inner and outer harm. Right, may you be at ease. Things like that, right? Um, and so you would look at Don, and then Don would receive that, right? And take a breath. You could say thank you or not, whatever. And then Don would look at Sue, and Sue will receive. Don's metta. May you be free of suffering, may you be at ease, may you have a peaceful day, may you have kindness, right? 
And then Sue will take that in. You could say thank you or not, or just take that in. And then Sue will move to, tell me your name again? Danielle. Danielle, that's right, Danielle, thank you. <laughs> okay, and so on. And you do that for three rounds. And then when you're done, think you can remember that? Mm -hmm. Three rounds. Mm -hmm. When you're done, I want you to try the other meta is just to radiate kindness to your people in your circle without words. Mm -hmm. Okay, and when you're done, and here's the real challenge knowing this group, come back and look at me so we can talk about it. Okay, <laughs> don't go, okay? Just turn around, <laughs> zip, 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 and right, right? And, and then we'll talk about it as a group, what that felt like and what it brought up for you, okay? Okay. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.